Welcome to this edition of On Tap, presented by FCSI Americas. I'm Wade Kaler, Executive Director. On Tap this week, I've got a longtime friend and probably one of the hardest working FCSI the Americas volunteers we've ever seen for the association. In addition, I've actually got a guy that I actually spent Brazilian Valentine's Day with a couple years ago down in Sao Paulo, Brazil. So I've uh, spent a few holidays with him now, obviously, as well. So from Food Service Consultant Studio, please help me welcome Mr. Doug Huber. Hey, Doug. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Wade. I appreciate it. Me, you, and Heoni down in Sao Paulo having a Valentine's Day dinner together was still one of my favorite things because only three of us guys could be sitting there surrounded by all these couples in a restaurant and and it was it was fun and awkward all at the same time so it was all i could do to keep my hands off of you exactly exactly well man it's so it's so good to see you again like i said before when you got on here uh it's been a while since we've actually got a chance to talk we used to be able to uh talk all the time when you were so involved and it's uh it's great to see you again and talk to you for this set of video series, we're just kind of getting to know our consultant members a little bit professional, but also a little bit more personal about them. So to get us started, just tell us a little bit about your background, like how you got started in the industry um, and kind of what your specialties are when it comes to food service consulting. Well, I started at 16 years old making pizzas, Nice, which is probably, uh, you know, in operations, that's probably what a lot of people started at. Um, all through college, I worked in the dining hall. I worked as a houseman for Sheraton Hotels doing banquets. And um, when I got out of school, I worked as a rep. Um, and then I wanted to get back into operations. So I went and worked for Gilbert Robinson, which was a, a chain restaurant that owned the Hands brand and uh, Daryl's. I went through their management program. Um, I went from... Daryl's to uh, a seafood restaurant down in Orlando that was eventually purchased by Landry's. Okay. And from there, I decided that it was time to go back and get a master's degree. So I went and got my MBA. Uh, when I got out of school, I was asked what, what, what I wanted to do. And I thought, wow, you know, I really like finance and mergers and acquisitions. And I had this vast array of experience in the restaurant business. And I said, you know, I'd love to do mergers and acquisitions in the restaurant business. And I don't want to move from Orlando. <laughs> and people said, well, you're kind of crazy. You think that's going to happen? And guess what happened? There was a small boutique investment bank down in Orlando that was doing M&A work in chain restaurants and I happened to become a financial analyst for them. <laughs> so um, I, I spent a couple of years there and then I went to work for Lehman Brothers who okay. was trying to get into that space um, and then went back to work for that boutique investment firm. And then from there ended up in 2003, moving back here, which is here being outside of Richmond, Virginia and I joined my father in the consulting practice. So nice. uh, pretty much been in this industry in various roles, all kinds of different roles, seen it from every perspective yeah. since the beginning. Yeah. So 
I know I definitely your your finance and mergers and acquisitions background, but when you came to work with your dad, obviously you got or not got to you. You probably your dad knowing your father as well as I do. It was like you're going to learn everything now, so you're not just going to do what you've always done. So how did that transition working with your dad to learning the rest of the food service consulting business go? Well. I've been really fortunate to have been able to work with him all my life. Yeah. He's put, he put me to work and I worked with him prior to um, going back into operations when yeah. I was a rep. So um, a lot of times when you take on a new endeavor, there's a steep learning curve in learning and in, in working together. And we did not have that at all. Yeah. Uh, what we worked through, which was really cool is just the procedures and how to do things from a business standpoint right. and how to manage our, our cash flow. So, you know, it, it was more about bringing a lot of the uh, school of hard knocks that he had gone through and melding that with my formal education and coming up with a, a business that was lean and mean and, and provided a service. So right. um, that was the biggest challenge more than anything is just, and it's, I always explain to people that owning your own small business, particularly a, a consulting practice, is like running in front of a freight train. <laughs> and as long as you keep running, everything is cool. Yeah. But if you stop running, then you get run over. Yeah. So that's kind of what it was. I, I agree. That's a great analysis, too. I, <laughs> that's fantastic. I absolutely love that. And, and your dad, obviously, one of the nicest guys in the industry. Um, I'm sure he was a great teacher. Uh, would he, would you call him your biggest influence in your career or what else has influenced you if, if it's not your father, Larry? Uh, well, I mean, in 2011, when we got the FES award, I stood on stage and I meant it that you know, he's my hero. Yeah. Well, and like I said, one of the nicest, most gentle guys I've ever met in my entire life. So I, I applaud you that you're going to get the, the luxury and the privilege to be able to work with him too, which is another thing that not, a lot of people don't get to do in this world. So, yeah, uh, right. you know, my, uh, uh, my father has no clue what I do, even though I've explained to him a million times. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and I, he's actually been to one of my conferences and it took that though, before he realized, Oh, so you make something like this happen. I'm like, yeah, that's one <laughs> one part. So that's good though. At least you kind of understand it then. So to have that bond with your father that knows what you do and understands it, and then you get to do it together is, is something that is got to be pretty special in everybody's life. Well, anytime you get an opportunity to work with somebody who has been in the industry for 50 plus years and paid attention and has got a, a natural curiosity and professionalism around the industry, um, that is a, a once in a lifetime opportunity. Yeah. And if you get it, take advantage of it. Yeah, I completely agree. What's one thing about Doug Huber that probably no one would ever guess? Something maybe uh, a quirk or a, a hobby or something like that, that maybe somebody from the, just on the, on the sidewalk probably would never guess about you. I'm pretty much a what you see is what you get <laughs> kind of guy. So that, that's hard to answer. Um, 
I don't look like a runner, but I have run 11 races that are of marathon length or ultra marathon length. Uh, the longest being a 50 miler, which yeah. I don't think a lot of people would look at me and say that guy can run because I am not built like a runner. <laughs> well, luckily, if I've known you a long enough time, I do know you're a runner, so I can believe it. Um, but I'll take your word for it on on the other part. The, you know, I've known you a long time, Doug, and so doing some more research for this interview, I, you know, I came across something, and I don't remember if it was in your website or something else, but I have to hear the story about your Huckleberry Hound dance uh, because I had never heard it before, but I think it's great for this. So um, my but summer between my junior it might have been my senior year of high school and my freshman year of college i worked for king's dominion i was in okay. their live shows department uh and i was a character and um we did all kinds of different things but one of the things that we did uh we choreographed the day before easter the easter roll which happens at the white house um each year yeah at least it used to i don't know if it still does <laughs> um it was a, there was an Easter roll and and all kinds of celebrities would show up and um, there was a stage and there were shows put on for children that would would come to the Easter roll at on the White House lawn and we stayed up all night and blocked out the entire show that we were going to put on and I was Huckleberry Hound so the cool thing is I got to go onto the White House lawn and dance in this in this program as huckleberry hound for all these kids and i mean it, they were hundreds of kids there yeah, so it was cool that's very cool yeah so i was inside the gates and uh you know they they put the mirror under the car and everything and it, it was kind of cool but a lot of people don't get that opportunity so no. that's that's what that's all about and unfortunately you and i probably have to remind or alert the younger generation of what a huckleberry hound is so i would recommend you go out to youtube and do the search for huckleberry hound so you can understand it because he was a blue dog he was a great character though he really was if if you weren't in the food service industry what do you think you'd be doing Oh, man, I, I would be doing something um, probably on my own uh, with either myself and a small group of people or by myself because yeah. um, I have a really hard time with a bureaucracy and I have a hard time <laughs> with red tape. Um, it just – it's like, hey, we see the solution – Let's just implement the solution, not let's talk about it for six months. So <laughs> yeah. let's just get roll up your sleeves and get the job done. It's yeah. kind of so I don't know what that would be. Um, actually, if I if I were independently wealthy, I would just be op trading options because that's yeah. that's what I like to do. Nice. Mm -hmm. OK. Strate strategic options trading. So with Food Service Consultant Studio, uh, what what are your specialties? Like, what do you guys do? Or is there a certain segments in the industry that you stick to that you feel you're better at? Or do you go to everybody that has a kitchen? I mean, where, where do you guys fit into the puzzle? We are uh, very diverse. Okay. Uh, every single person in, uh, we have five or six employees, depending on which day of the week it is. Um, <laughs> And we all are very diverse. So we're in different segments, but I describe our business model as K through 12 is the mortar of, 
um, of the wall mm-hmm. and military university um, hotels and and uh, long term care facilities that okay. type of thing are the are the blocks in okay. the wall. So we're in a lot of different things. We don't do a, a lot of commercial restaurant work. Okay. Uh, we we're pretty picky about restaurants. Number one, that was where I was trained, and I am um, picky about what kind of restaurant operator I want to work with. I don't want the fresh operator that loves people and loves to cook and thinks they can run a restaurant because while it's not a complicated business, it's a really hard business. Right. And, and people that don't really understand the business side of running a restaurant and understand that it's going to be all consuming are the kind of people that are, have a low likelihood of success. Right. Um, and are probably backed by, you know, financially backed by attorneys and when they fail, or if they fail, the attorneys are going to go after everyone, um, including, <laughs> hey, you, you didn't lay the, you know, you didn't lay out the uh, restaurant properly. Or mm-hmm. one of the things that happens is when a, a, a restaurant operator calls me, the first thing I ask them is, do you have a business plan? And if they say no, then I say, well, there's no way I can work with you. But if they have a business plan, then I want to ask them about it. Yeah. Um, I've written a hundred business plans for restaurants. So, yeah. um, at least a hundred. So it's like, Hey, if you haven't thought through all of the steps that are going to be required to make this successful, right? well, hiring me is, is <laughs> the least not, of your worries. It, it really is. You're right. It's the least of your, you got a, you got a whole lot to figure out before you come to me. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And you have to wonder where the money's coming from if you don't have the, you know, it's, it's like you said, somebody that probably doesn't realize what they're getting themselves into. Yeah. It's, it's not complicated. It really is not a complicated business, but you need to have systems. You need to have controls. You need to understand food costs and labor costs and getting the, the thing laid out. Um, you know, from a designer standpoint is really easy. Yeah. I mean, it, there's just, I mean, it's easy comparatively speaking. Correct. Yeah. Um, it's, it's figuring out, you know, it's menu development. There's just so much to do that um, if someone hasn't really been able to think through that and understand, I mean, the beautiful thing about doing that M&A work was I got to watch how the major successful chains evaluated sites yeah how they evaluated operators how they evaluated average unit economics so there was an awful lot that goes on in the chain world that the mom and pops could learn a lot from right Um, yeah well that's perfect so it so that that's that but so anyway to answer your question we don't do a lot of restaurant work and that's primarily the reason is because i'm a restaurant snob i guess that's all right Uh, you know if one of the one of the chains came to us and said, "Hey, we want you to help us work on a prototype." I'd be willing to do that yeah. because, um, you know, they know what they're doing and right. they know what they want, and we could go to manufacturers and say, "Hey, look, we're looking for this special solution, and this is a 300 unit restaurant right. chain, and you know, we're trying to work on a prototype, and we could find uh, customized solutions that could could do something for them." Perfect. Perfect. Well, hey, man, that that wraps up all my questions. So, what what I like to do with the end of these uh, 
interviews, I like to do something a little lighthearted. Uh, so hmm. I've got a, a, a set of questions um, based on the whole Would You Rather series. So if you okay. don't mind, I'm going to go through these, and uh, we'll see what your personality is based on what you answer. So, All right, so. Oh, boy, here we go. I know. To get it all started, would you rather be covered in bees or snakes? Snakes. Would you rather be able to sing or to be able to dance? I can already dance, so I'd like to be able to sing. <laughs> Would you rather own a restaurant or own a dollar store? <laughs> oh, do I have to run it or can I just own it? <laughs> you you got to own it. You can. I'll let you just own it. Uh. All right. I would own a restaurant. All right. Very good. Would you rather give up TV for a year or give up the internet for a year? Uh, TV. I've already done that. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Would you rather be able to teleport anywhere or be able to read minds? Oh, heck no. I want to teleport, man. I don't want to know what people are thinking. (laughs) (laughs) That's a double-edged sword. Isn't it, though? I agree. I agree. Uh, would no, you ra- thank you. Would you rather have all the traffic lights you approach turn green or never have to stand in line again? Uh, traffic lights. I want them all green. Okay. Well, that's where it separates the people that have to drive a lot and the people that don't, is whether they want <laughs> the green lights or not. <laughs> would, you rather, would you rather see your future or fix your past? Ah, uh, see my future or fix my past. Yeah. <sighs> oh man, you can't fix your past. No. Your past makes your present. So. You see your future. Whatever you do today is what's going to make your future. Oh man, that's a tough one. Um, I, I know. See your future. I guess that's what I would pick. Okay. Have unlimited first class plane tickets. Or never have to pay for food at restaurants again? Never have to pay for food at restaurants. Would you rather only (laughs) be able to use a fork and no spoon or be able to use a spoon with no fork? Uh, Now, see, this is the pragmatist coming out here. (laughs) I can eat anything anything with a spoon. There you go. You can't eat soup with a fork. Yeah, I agree. So give me the spoon. Would you rather be an unknown superhero or a famous villain? Unknown superhero. Would you rather fight a duck the size of a horse or 100 horses the size of ducks? One duck the size of a horse. All right. Very good. Um, that's all I've got today. But, but uh, Moving forward, though, tell people how can they find out more about you and, and your company? Well can always call me. Happy go. to talk to you. I look forward to going to the next FCSI conference and, and seeing old friends and making nice. some new friends. Doug, thank you again for joining me. It's, I know we haven't talked in a while, thank but you. I really greatly appreciate you taking the time out of your day so everybody gets a chance to know you um, out in hmm. the public and then also just getting to, to say hello to you again and seeing your smiling face again too so thanks again well i appreciate i appreciate you having me thanks a lot wade that wraps up another edition of on tap presented by fcsi if you enjoyed today's episode make sure to help us spread the word 
Uh, make sure to like and subscribe to the page and check back next week when we uh, introduce another FCSI member of the family. Until then, cheers.